it's always it's always a good day when you when you when you get to worship like we did this morning. But uh, it's an even better day when you get to hear Shannon Brooks. So she's one of she's one of ours, and uh, her and Tim are working at Deliverance Ministry and Prophetic, as well as anybody I've ever been around. And uh, so let's all stand up just for a second. I know you've been walking, standing up for a while. Okay. Come on, Shannon. <laughs> Let's give Jesus a hand clap. Hey, y'all. It's always so good to be here. We're going to hit the ground running, okay? Because I feel like I got a lot of territory to cover and not much time to cover it in. So y'all got to run with me, okay? So I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to start at verse 10. Very popular um, section of scripture right here. And the Lord brought me to this when I was asked to speak at a spiritual warfare conference. And so, of course, right, the armor of God. But he put a twist on it that I didn't see coming. And so that's what I want to share with you guys today. Amen? All right, so Ephesians 6.10 is where we're going to start. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So Paul says, put on the armor of God. He doesn't say pray on the armor of God. Paul said, settle into it. Can y'all get that video ready for me? See, the armor of God needs to become like a second skin to us. We have to wear it. This video was, the Lord gave me this video right at the time that I was trying to put this sermon together. My little grandson sent it to me because he liked it. But the armor of God should be something that is a daily progression, a reflection of our walk with him. You go, go ahead. This is us praying on the armor of God. Thank you. 
helmet of salvation. Okay, okay, stop, stop. But see, this, no, we ain't done. You can turn the lights back off. But see, this is what we do, right? We're like, Lord, just give me the helmet of salvation. Give me the breastplate of righteousness today. Have you ever prayed for patience? See, that's kind of what that looks like. Ever pray for it? And here it comes, right? And it almost takes your head off. Go ahead, go ahead, roll it. Let's go to you. Okay, you can stop it. So this is where we are, right? So the truth is, the armor of God represents transformation in our life. And somehow, we've had this misnomer in the church, in the American church, that all we have to do is ask God for something and he's going to give it to us, right? We have this misrepresentation that God's going to do all the work. That we say a prayer, and that's it. We're going to heaven. Everything should work out for our good. But listen, there's a whole lot of other scriptures mixed up in there about how we're supposed to walk, how we're supposed to act. He says, if you love me, you'll obey me, right? And then when things come against our life, we expect to run to daddy God, and he's going to fix it. And he's saying, no, that's not what I said. I said that you have to put it on. you got to settle into it. You've got to, you've got to put on the helmet of salvation. And it's interesting to me that that was the main thing that Paul wanted to talk Talk about most of the things that Paul wrote about was about taking thoughts captive he was talking about a transformed mind because this is where the battle really takes place and and when I was when I was asked to talk about spiritual warfare the Lord said here's the problem my church can't get past fighting the war between their head and their spirit yeah. Yeah. Come on. see we're supposed to be taking territory for the kingdom but the main war that takes place is right here and it goes on and on and on and on in our lives and we can be in the church 10 years 20 years 30 years and we're still fighting this war between here and here come on don't get mad at me so Lord, right now I pray that you know like you said that they would have eyes to see and ears to hear Lord and that the enemy would not come and snatch this word but it would go forth into good soil and it wouldn't be choked out by the lies and the false belief system that the enemy has put in our minds that God is a good God but and he is a good God, but we have a responsibility to walk it out on the earth, right? He's given us everything that we need. So how does that work? Well, I'm, a, I'm glad you asked. I'm going to tell you how it works. When we get saved, the flesh has got to die. You know, there's something so prophetic about the cross because he said, narrow is the way and few are going to enter in. And the truth is, the way is through crucifixion. Not just his crucifixion but the crucifixion of your flesh. And we're going to talk about that later on if you're still here. But here's the thing, right? The armor of God comes into place when we make a decision, when we make a choice. When we say, you know what, I'm not looking at that anymore. 
And the enemy comes back and we go, no, I am not looking at that. Nope, I'm not taking part in that conversation. Nope, Netflix is good, but I can't fast forward through those scenes. It's not happening. And you know what happens? A piece of that helmet comes into place. And it's no longer a struggle right there in your life. Are you listening to me? Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? The enemy doesn't come that way anymore because the Bible says if you resist the devil, he'll flee from you. But we don't resist enough. We make excuses about how hard it is. And we're going to talk about that too. This is supposed to be an encouraging word. So every time we seal up our lips and we say, not gossiping, I'm not cussing, I'm not saying those things that I shouldn't say. And we determine in our heart like Daniel did, come on, because Jesus matters more to us because it pleases him more that we would transform another piece of the armor comes into place. Are you following me here? And eventually the enemy is looking for an inroads because all he can see is the armor. The, the reason Paul used the armor to describe the church was because when he saw the Roman army, he couldn't tell one soldier from another. He couldn't see any weak links because they all looked the same. Oh, come on, y'all. When the enemy looks at us as the church, as the body of Christ, he shouldn't be able to tell, huh, who can I get to today? They all look the same. Yeah. They, they all clothed out in the armor. But that's not the case, is it? Because whatever way he's effective at coming, that's how he's going to keep coming. Sure. If it's your finances, it's always your finances. It's always your finances. If it's your kids, well, he's always through my kids. Always through. If it's sexual sin, that's how he's always, he gets me through that lust. He gets me through that emotional bond, that emotional soul tie. Come on, or the lack thereof. If he's effective at coming, that's how he's going to come. But God is not going to put that thing in place for you. You've got to resist him. How do you resist him? You actively resist. Listen, when I was a cop, passive resistance was one thing. But if you actively resisted, come on now. We could do this the easy way or we could do it the hard way. And when I got saved, it didn't change. See, I think, and I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but I think the problem is, you know, whenever I get, I get weary of saying, oh, you know, it's just so hard. I just, oh, I've died to so much already. I got to look back at where he pulled me from. See, I think sometimes we forget, but I'll never forget where he took me from. And if he says, you know what, die to that thing too, I'm like, oh, well, that ain't even a sin. He say, die to it anyway. Die to it anyway. I don't want you watching that. I don't want you listening to that. I don't want you acting that way. I don't want you hanging out with that person. Well, God, they nice. I'll, I like them. Yeah, but they not for you. But would, would you choose? See, and when we choose and we be obedient, boom, that armor comes on. Come on, he gave it to us. He said, here it is, settle into it. Settle into this lifestyle that I've outlined in my word, and I'm going to protect you. He didn't say, I'm going to protect you and you live any kind of way you want. He didn't say, well, just pray for me to put it on you. you got to walk it out. you got to live in it. Your armor should be so camouflaged, come on, y'all, that the enemy can't even tell you in the room until God releases you and it's too late. Mm. So this is something that you need to know, right? Any war is not won in a single battle. 
It's not one in a, a single skirmish. It's campaign after campaign after campaign. And you might have half your helmet on, and you might have one gospel apiece sandal. And you, but you know what? You keep fighting a good fight. You keep walking it out, and you equip yourself for battle. When you get stinking sick of the enemy, and you grab a hold of the word of God, you're going to grab a hold of the armor of God. When you say, when you really say enough is enough, come on, y'all, you won't need to be convinced. You'll know it, and you'll turn away from those things. I want to go to 2 Corinthians 10, and we're going to read uh, 3 through 6. But I want, to, I want to throw this out there, and I don't have time to talk about each individual piece of the armor today. But I'm going to tell you, you know, you, you, people believe that, you know, I'm righteous through Christ. Well, yeah, you are. But that breastplate of righteousness shows up when you make righteous decisions. When you get to your car, you're in a hurry at Walmart, and you realize you didn't check something out. And it's in the basket. And, well, it's only a dollar fifty. What are you going to do? Right? When, when it's time to do your taxes, come on now. And everybody got affected by a hurricane. I had this one guy one year, he said, well, did you have some tree damage and all that? I'm like, no, we didn't have any. Well, everybody had tree damage, so I'm going to just put you down for 1600 I said, you're not putting me down for nothing because you ain't doing my taxes. Come on. My papa owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I don't need somebody finagling me a little $1,600 because I'm going to lose three times that much because of that sin. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so, you know, whenever we make, whenever we compromise in our lives, it leaves a wide open gap for the enemy to come and attack. He knows it. He sees it, right? Can we talk about these things a little bit more? Is that okay? You know, let's talk about the gospel of peace sandals because I'm going to hit on something here in a minute that's going to blow your mind because it blew mine when I saw it. People don't want the gospel of peace because we don't have any peace in our life. <laughs> it's called that for a reason. When we grab a hold of him, they'll say, what happened to you? When did that happen? I, you're like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I didn't even know you were in the fire. You don't even smell like smoke. Come on. You can walk through it and nobody even knows you were walking through it because you got joy and you got peace because you're wearing the good news that no matter what happens in my life, he is good because he says he is good and I ain't got to be blabbing. We give so much credit to the enemy. The enemy gets so raised up and idolized, and when we speak that thing out, it reinforces everything. You know what? I'm going to call those things that are not as though they were, and ain't nobody going to know this little episode was going on in my life until I can share the testimony about it after. Amen? Amen. So 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Did you hear what he just said? Every thought. <laughs> the Lord used to deal with me about the things I would say. <laughs> and I thought I was doing good until he started dealing with me about the way I thought. 
just because I wasn't saying it, come on, wasn't good enough for the Lord. See, it's a progression from glory to glory, right? And he said, well, you didn't say it, but you was thinking it. (laughs) You're right, Lord. You got me. But listen to this. He says, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Wait, can we talk about authority here? Because authority is birthed out of obedience. And Paul says, and, some, and I was listening, reading to some commentaries about this scripture, and they thought Paul was saying, well, you know, when he comes, because he walks in authority, he's going to, no. He said, you would be ready to punish all disobedience when you bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. What does that mean? Well, it means that whatever you overcome, you have authority over. Revelation, go to Revelation 12, 11. It says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Whatever you overcome, you have authority over because it's the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. It's not one or the other. He empowers us to overcome the things in life. And when we overcome them, then we have a testimony about what we've overcome, and it's, it gives us authority to walk See, so whatever I've overcome, I can see it coming in the door, and I'm like, I see you. But I've overcome you, and so you come right here. Come on, because I'm going to take authority over you because you can't operate. See, we want to walk in power and authority according to the word of God, but let me tell you something. Some stuff's got to die first. So the enemy can't penetrate your armor if it's worn properly. He can't get to you. So wherever he's still coming, bring that to the Lord and say, okay, what I got to put on here? What's happening right here? What am I giving too much attention to? What am I trying to change myself? What am I giving the enemy authority in right here? Where am I raising the enemy up in this thing and glorifying him in this thing instead of trusting you with it? And, And when we did that altar call a while ago, You know, the Lord gave me that song, you know, you provide the fire and I'll provide the sacrifice. And I'm going to say it again. It's flipped. He's not sending his fire where there's no sacrifice. You want more of him? Then more of you has to die. And it's a constant walk. It's a constant walk, okay? So we miss out on the intended outcome when we go through something. And even though we get victory over it, it stays a wound. It doesn't become a testimony. We get angry at God. Well, I'm a Christian. I've been a Christian 20 years. God's supposed to protect me. I don't know why I went through that. I'm good. I pay my tithes. I go to church. There are spiritual laws in effect. He doesn't know me anything. He already paid the price. If anything happens in my life, it's there so that he can strengthen me, so that I can endure through it, so that I can comfort others because I've been comforted by him, so that I can overcome it, so that I can take authority over it. Come on, how many of you have been healed? How many of you have been saved, delivered? Come on, transformed. Guess what? 
When that person walks in and they're dealing with the same thing, if you've overcome it, you now have authority over it. What does that mean? When you release the testimony by the blood of the lamb, they're healed. The problem is we have no expectation. We don't expect to see that stuff. This morning, I expect to see miracles. I expect to see testimonies come forth from that altar call this morning. Why? Because it wasn't my idea. It was his idea. But if you can leave here and leave it there and not grab a hold of it, you don't have that piece of armor on. That's doubt, unbelief, lack of faith. Come on. And the enemy's coming that way. He say, hey, you didn't really believe that. Stealing it. Stealing it right back from you. It's a, it's a constant process. I want to share this with you. When we bought this land up here two years ago in Goldana, you know, we're up here all the time, and so it just made sense for us to get a place, and God just opened doors, and it's, a, it's an incredible testimony in itself. But right after we, we decided we were going to purchase the place, from the time we started traveling from where we live, it's about a four-and-a-half, five-hour drive to the, the place that we bought, the property we bought, the very first day that we traveled to come and do the close of sale, we were hauling an RV, we, we were loaded down, we stopped to get a cup of coffee and I smelled something burning. And, and so I told Tim, I said, oof, I said, something's, something's wrong with the truck. And so he came walk over and the, the front wheel was so hot that he couldn't touch it. And we're like, great, it was right in the middle of COVID, this was 2020, it was May of 2020. It was 5.30 in the evening. There were no hotels around. There were no rental cars open. There was no automotive places. Come on, y'all. And we're sitting there in a Walmart parking lot in New Iberia. And so we called our, our uh, son-in-law, uh, our son, and he said, I know a friend who knows a friend. And that friend called another friend who called his brother-in-law. And long story short, we had somebody come out that could look at the truck and so we're sitting there, and I'm like, Lord, I don't know what's going on here, but, you know, I've been praying that if you would close every door, close it. Come on. Yeah. And see, you know, I see a lot of stuff on social media, and it, it really trips me out because this is what you'll see. Well, you know, I, I want this job, so everybody pray that I get this job. But I want to be in God's will, so pray for his will. But I really want this job, so pray. Uh, listen, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And the truth is, when we really say, God, your will be done, we don't care about it anymore. Your will be done, Papa. I don't want that land if it's not in your perfect will. Come on. Because I know what the end result is going to be. I'm not wrestling. I'm not striving for that. No, 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 no. Here's my heart in it. The problem is we don't put our heart in it. It's lip service. Because if your heart is really in it, you really, you don't care. Right? Can we be honest? Because the Bible says he knows your heart and the heart is wickedly deceptive, even to him. We lie to him. <laughs> Have your way, Lord. We don't really mean it. So every time we would drive up, oh, let me finish that story. So this young couple pulls up in this Hummer, and um, the guy goes to look at the truck, and the little girl, she comes looking, talking to me like we best friends, wants to take a selfie with me. I'm like, Okay. You know, so we take a selfie, and we chatting it up, and he says, hey, he said, that y'all not keeping six feet distance, and we're like, she's like, oh, ma'am, I'm so sorry, was, really sweet people, and so I was laughing, and he said, yeah, my kids had it, and my wife was sick, and he said, I was sick, and he said, they all got over it, but I never got over it. 
I said, okay. Well, I said, look, man, can we pray for you? Yeah. He's like, well, yeah. So the Lord started reading his mail. She starts crying, showing me stuff that, that people have sent her about him, and I'm saying the same thing. He gets healed. We're standing in the middle of a Walmart parking lot. They're standing like this. We're standing. Tim's behind him. I'm in front of him. It's the middle of all that BLM stuff. And I said, we're going to make the news. And this woman pulls up, and she says, is everything okay over here? Hood's up on the truck. Anyway, it was just funny. So he gets healed. They take the truck. And next day, we drive up to Natchitoches. We had to borrow a car. And I'm still praying. I'm like, Lord, you know what? If I'll be inconvenienced for you anytime. Come on. If this was about praying for them, no big deal. But if this was about closing that door, you just keep slamming them shut. So we're halfway there, and Tim says, we need to call him and see what's up. So he calls the guy, and the guy says, there's nothing wrong with your truck. He says, well, how much we owe you? We're like, well, $75. Okay, so we give the guy 100 bucks, right? So we go to the close of sale. We get all that done at the end of the close of sale. The lawyer says, oh, I got a check for you too. Guess how much it was for? 105 bucks because five is the number of grace. So then every time we would travel between this section of road, and I'm not going to say exactly where it was, coming up here, something would happen. I mean, literally, brakes would squeal behind us. We'd almost get rear-ended. People would cut across. Our trailer fell off the hitch twice. Two different trailers, two different, listen, swinging like this. One time it hit the ground, and so... It got to, it was really bad, y'all. And finally, we did get rear-ended. Sitting at a stoplight, the light turned green. We go to take off. This guy plows into the back of us. And by this time, I'm like mad. You know what I'm saying? And so this guy jumps out, and he tells Tim, he says, Look, man, he said, I'm driving under suspension. I don't have no insurance. I got a warrant out of Texas. And I'm thinking, you don't know who you're talking to. And so, and so Tim says, let's just pull off the road and get out of this traffic. And I'm like, we ain't getting out of this guy anyway. So he busts out his wallet. And he's got all this money. He's like, I'm going to bless you. Oh, that was it, y'all. That was it. I said, I said, look at me. You can't bless me, man. You can't bless me. you got a spirit of lawlessness on your life. Let me tell you something. If you don't get straight, something worse is going to happen. So I'm just throwing down on this guy. He's like, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Right? And so then after that, every time we would come up here and we got close to that area, I'd be praying in the spirit, y'all. And, and I really was thinking, you know, I, I told him, I said, you know, maybe, maybe we ought to go around. <laughs> every time for about seven weeks, something would try to take us out. Literally. And I said, you know, maybe we need to just jump on I-10 and cut across after. And I got home that night, and the Holy Spirit dealt with me. And I felt him. And I'm like, what is it, Lord? And he wouldn't answer me. And I said, you know what? I ain't run from the devil yet, and it ain't going to start now. So I set a fleece before you, Lord. Either I'm going to jump out of this truck, the next time this junk happens and I'm going to pull that principality down and you can either back me up or I'm going to see you. Come on. You can either back me up or I'm going to see you because I am not running. You did not create me to run. The armor doesn't cover my back. Come on.
And that was on a Monday. Tuesday morning, a pastor friend that I talked to once every six months, two years, called me. And she said, hey, I was walking and I was listening to a podcast and it was about Daniel and how he was praying. And it would have been 21 days, right? And the Lord finally sent the angel and he said, we heard you the first time you prayed, but we were fighting the principalities, right? The prince of Persia. And he said, she said, but as I was listening to that, it wasn't Daniel, it was you. And the Lord says, you feel like you're by yourself, but I heard you when you prayed and I'm sending angels. Come on, come on. And so we, we got ready to leave that next weekend and we started getting close to that area. And I was like, I got my angels. Come on, what you gonna do? What you gonna do? Do something so I can jump out of this truck. Do something, nothing. Nothing ever since. Why am I telling you this? Because it's a progression of faith. Every time you step out in faith and you say, you know what? I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not settling for that anymore. God equips you. He clothes you. And he backs the devil off. He backs him off. He backs him off. Am I fully worn in the armor of God right now? No, I'll never fully wear it probably. But I'll tell you what, I've got enough of it on that it deflects the attacks of the enemy over the little stuff. He's got to come hard. He's got to come big. And people will say, well, you know, higher levels, bigger devils. Higher levels, bigger angels, baby. But how are you going to react to it? See, because it's our response to the attacks that matter. When we respond according to the word of God, he equips us for the attack. He doesn't leave us out there by ourselves. Romans 12, 12 tells us not to conform to the world, but transform by the renewing of our mind. There's an activity that has to take place right here. That ha there's got to be transformation in the things we say and the things we think even so that we can have the mind of Christ. His ways are not our ways. It's a smokescreen, folks. The enemy only has the authority that we give him. If he's coming, the first thing I've got to look at is what, th what authority did I give the enemy to come and attack me in this area of my life? I'm going internal on it first. Do you understand what I'm saying? He ain't getting glorified in this. He's got no place in me. The only territory he has in my life is what I give him because I'm over him. Ah, I'm over him. So if he's coming, I've got to figure out, whoa. How do I block that thing? What do I repent of? Who do I need to forgive? Show me, Holy Spirit. And he's faithful to show you. But it takes an effort on our part, right? So, so here's what I hear all the time. Well, you know, I know. But it's just so hard. Well, I know I shouldn't, but, you know, I, I just got to speak my mind. Well, I know the Holy Spirit told me not to, but. Well, God made me this way. Right? I'm not even going to look at you, okay? But this is what Hebrews 12 says. And this is the Passion Translation. It says, so consider carefully how Jesus faced such intense opposition from sinners who oppose their own souls so that you won't become worn down and cave in under life's pressures. After all, you have not yet reached the point of sweating blood in your opposition to sin. Can we talk about how difficult it is to turn away from sin? And, and see, this is what we'll say. Well, you know, his grace is sufficient. Where's Jordan? His, 
Jordan. Thanks for getting me here. And we'll take those scriptures, right? His grace is sufficient. His power is made perfect in my weakness. So God just understands. Let me tell you something. Grace does not abide in the gray area. There's no grace in the gray area. If it's gray, it's because it's muddied up a little bit. The Bible tells us that he is light and in him there is no darkness. He's not in that gray area. But when you start crawling and scratching your way out of that gray area, boom, then his grace rushes in and says, my grace is sufficient. My power, come on, is made perfect in your weakness. I'll pull you out of that place. I'll pull you out of that place. But you got to make an effort, just like everything else in the kingdom. How bad do you want it? Because we'll waddle around in that gray area and make excuses our whole life. And then we'll look at people that are walking in power and authority and go, man, I wish I had that. Man, how did they get to that place? Let me tell you how they got there. They died. They crawled out of that gray area. They said, yea, though he slay me. Come on. I'm going to get out of this place. I'm going to serve him completely because I know where he took me from. He don't owe me nothing. And, and you know, he's so good. Uh, when, after we got this place, man, there was just so much peace, right? And I thought, Lord, you know, I'm just tired. I've been all over trying to raise up warriors. Come on, trying to, trying to provoke people to transformation because we're getting ready to enter into a season on the earth. You, you, ain't even, you don't even know how to fight right now for your kids. And we're getting ready to enter into a season where we're going to be fighting and warring in the second realm, in the, in the spirit realm. We're, we're, not, we're in this world, but we're not of it. We're not created to function in the earth, in the world. We're supposed to be set apart. Why? Because we're supposed to walk on the waters of the earth. We're not human beings here Sundays having a spiritual experience. We're spirit beings. And we're having a human experience. And we're here to elevate humanity. Come on. Back into right uh, circumstance into reconciliation with the Father, right? So that we, we exist on a different plane. And those things of the world, they can't even get to us. So many of the things of the world, they can't even get to us because we've overcome them. I want to talk about one more thing before I wrap it up. When I, when I first started really crying out to the Lord for transformation, I was praying one Sunday before our, our Sunday services, and I saw this huge sore drop down in the spirit. And I saw myself reach up and grab it in the spirit and thrust it into me. It was kind of weird. And I was like, what is that, Lord? And he said, it's the circumcision of the flesh. And I began this walk. And some 12 years later, we were, we were hosting our ministry. And one of the guys in the ministry said, he came to me weeping, and he said, the Lord just gave me something for you. And it was wrapped in a white linen and tied in a purple ribbon. And I saw it in the spirit, and he handed it to me. And when I opened it up, it was a dagger. It's about this long. And I said, Lord, what is this? And he said, it's the, it's the anointing of the circumcision of the flesh. 
And when I, when I went to research what this thing was, it's a Roman Puggio dagger. And so the Roman army wore this dagger. It was for close quarter combat. They had the shield, they had the dagger, right? And somehow, you know, when we read this passage of scripture about the sword of the spirit, we think that we can take the word of God and throw it at the enemy and he's going to respond to it. He already knows the word of God. He's in rebellion to the word of God. Jesus didn't quote the word of God in the, in the wilderness to make the enemy back off. He quoted it as truth that he could stand on in his life and remind the enemy, mm -mm, the spirit of truth is in me. Right? And somehow we think that it's a seven-foot sword that we're just going to sling it around and go into war with it. Man, that's not how it works. The, the word has to become you. When, when you transform into the image of Christ, you transform into the word. He said, I am the word. I am the truth. Come on. When you transform into his image, the word is in you. It becomes you. You release the word. The enemy sees the word when he looks at you because you're a mirror image of what Jesus looks like. We were, we were at this... Um, I've been working at this thrift store, and uh, it's just a crazy store. I'm not going to go into it right now. But they send people to me for prayer. And these ladies came to the back. There were five, of, five family members there. And the mom and one of the sisters came to the back, had a sister in stage four cancer, and they came for prayer. And so I prayed for them, and God does what he does, right? And so then they went out to the front and met the other sisters. Well, one of the workers came back to me with this crazy look on her face, and she said, what happened back here? And I'm like, I don't know. What are you saying? <laughs> what? She said, they came up here, and they said, well, where y'all been? We've been looking for y'all. And they said, oh, we just saw Jesus. And it threw me back to a night when I was at a teen challenge. And there was a girl I was praying for, and she was in witchcraft. And the Lord was doing something to her, right? She got free. She was laying on the floor, and he said, we were done. And he said, go back on over there, because she was the only one left in the room. And I picked her up, and I prayed for her again, and she was going down, and I, I, I had to catch her myself. And I left her there, and I went and packed my stuff, and she came running over to me, and she was weeping, and she said, I just saw Jesus. And I said, that's incredible. She said, no, you don't understand. She said, when you were standing in front of me praying for me, she said, I saw you, but then you were him. And then you moved to the side, and then it wasn't you, it was him. And then he caught me. I'm no different than you, but people need to see Jesus in us literally spiritually every day it's a possibility he makes it possible right that they can see him and his image in us and then sooner or later it's so profound that it carries over into the spirit come on because we don't live on this plane we live on this plane and we got to look like we do but we can't take the flesh with us I want you to put that picture up, and if y'all would stand for me, we're going to wrap this thing up. Romans 13, 12 says this, The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. The Lord gave me this message 
And then I went to a rehab center and I was preaching and somebody took this picture. And it blessed me because he always confirms his word. But I want to point something out to you right there. If you look closely at the picture, you can still see Shannon Brooks. Come on. Clearly, I'm still there in that picture. I haven't arrived. It's not all him. There are places that you can't see through the light. But there are a lot of places that the light is there, but it's not bright enough to block. Come on, y'all. Are you listening to me? This is transformation. And the Lord is saying, yeah, you're doing good, daughter, but there are places in your life that I still have to work on. Come on. There are places where you still have to die. There are places, if you want more, come on, that I'm requiring this more transformation yet to come. Amen? But in the meantime... Every step that I take, that I give him full authority in my life, he rushes in and he covers me and he said, no wicked thing is going to come near you. No evil thing can come near you in that place in your life where total surrender takes place because there's total reconciliation to the Father. And wherever he rules and reigns, the devil can't come near it. Amen? So I want to challenge you today. To push yourself to a point of transformation. I don't care if you're 8 or 80. There's no junior Holy Ghost. We did a prophetic class the other day. A 10-year-old got filled with the Holy Spirit. Her mama said, I want that too. I told a 2-year-old, I said, put your hands on her. She prayed for her to mama, got filled with the Holy Ghost. But what do you want? Do you want to win this war? Because you're capable of winning this war. And not only for you, but for all your brothers and sisters out there. We're called to rescue them. We're called to rescue them. We're not called to just come to church on Sunday. We're called to do something. We're We're called to go out in the highways and the byways. Go to work. Do people see Jesus on you at work? Or do you look like everybody else you work with? Your conversations, the books you read, the games you play. The TV you watch, narrow is the way. Amen? Amen. So if you feel like today, you know what? I, I, I want to transform. I want to lay some of this stuff down. I, I want to change. I want more of him. I don't want to keep fighting these same battles. I want to put this whole armor on. If that's you today, I want to pray for you. Amen. I want to pray for you. Come on up here because it's possible. We'll, we'll, we'll walk this thing out together. Amen? Amen. So if y'all could come and sing some beautiful worship or whatever it is that I want you to remember that what you go through it can become a testimony or it could just be an open wound it's your choice